The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Stock up, stock down. Joel, the feud that will never die. It could be 2034 and this feud will still be going on. But Joel, Chris Jericho MJF has one more chapter uh, Jericho called out MJF tonight, basically said, I will put my career in AEW on the line for one more match. And if MJF wins, Jericho's apparently going to commentary full time, our worst fucking nightmares. So let's go, Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I took from this segment. We need Jericho to win. So, yeah, this was an interesting one. I kind of like saw that look in Jericho's eye. You know how when someone's coming out to cut a promo, they're not like super happy about. Yeah. Uh, Particularly like a veteran or somebody who's just suffered an injury or something. There's that kind of sad smile. And I definitely got that from Jericho coming out. And uh, I was like, I think this is going to be an interesting promo. And it, it turned out to be, I thought this was really good work on the mic from both mm-hmm. guys, which you would expect. Yep. But something that I'm always looking for in professional wrestling is make it make sense. Uh, don't insult my intelligence and give me some kind of internal logic. I needed a reason for MJF to want to take this match because mm-hmm. he has nothing to prove. And the career on the line stipulation certainly gives that. But I like that MJF didn't just immediately agree to it and instead spent a couple of minutes on the microphone shitting all over Chris Jericho and then talking himself up and saying, you know, beating you three times, that's cool. But ending Ending you, that's legendary. And you know, for someone who's a legend in his own mind and and probably has been since he was a small child, you know, (laughs) this is the most enticing thing for MJF, the character imaginable. And it's a really huge spot for a young talent to, to put them over in a huge, huge way. Uh, It's undeniable that Chris Jericho is one of the most important performers over the last 30 years of professional wrestling. This is a great way to go out. So I I will be rooting for MJF in this match, even if it means that we get more Chris Jericho on commentary, which is just not something that I want, but I have to believe he will get better. You would hope you would hope. And I guess that kind of raises the question is like, is this it for Jericho? Like, you know, wrestlers come back from this stipulation. It's not the end or be all, but like, Cody Rhodes has not challenged for the AW World Championship since November of 2019. Like they have stuck to that stipulation. Uh so if Jericho loses, it very well could be like he's done as a active in-ring performer. And it's weird because, dude, like six months ago, I think I was kind of ready for it. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't know what Jericho's really bringing anymore in the ring. Like he's lost a step, he's a little slower, a little bigger. Um Maybe it's just this 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 last five week stretch of graduation goggles where I'm like, 
oh jericho <laughs> like <laughs> well but isn't that the point like exactly yep it, just back it didn't in. click for me when he's doing the five labors of jericho because i'm just looking at it as an angle a feud and in reality it's like let me tour through some amazing matches uh revisit one of my old rivals yep. have this crazy hardcore match and just you know put some people over give some people the rub and then tap out to my biggest rival in the company on my way out the door and i can't think of a better way for jericho to go out and it obviously the comparison is is super easy to make with rick flair and the amazing run that he had at 58 years yeah. old going like five you months know. undefeated <laughs> yeah and, and you know this is not quite that drawn out but it it gives me the same vibes and i was thinking back on these last five matches from jericho that we saw and it's some of the best work he's done in AEW. And yeah, I don't say that lightly. He's had great matches with orange Cassidy. He's had, you know, really, really good matches with Moxley and hangman page. So, you know, there's a good resume for him in AEW, And I still think this is the best thing that he's done. So, yeah. And if we look back at when Jericho was announced, God, January of 2019 as like the first, you know, one of the first signings, we would have said he probably has two or three years left as an in-ring guy. And that what he was going to bring to the company went beyond of what he did in the ring. It was his name recognition, his kind of uh, veteran leadership in a sense, his experience. And We've seen that with the inner circle. We've seen that with the people he's worked with. Like people I've worked with Jericho have gotten better and looked better throughout their feuds. MJF was a really good wrestler when he joined AEW and between his feud with Cody and his feud with Jericho. Now it's, it's he's just taken another massive leap. And if you look at this from a kayfabe perspective, MJF said when he revealed that he like was portraying the, the inner circle that his goal was to take Jericho and the inner circle out. Like that's been MJF's goal, not just to get wins, but to make Jericho go away. So yeah, it, it does feel like this can be it. And Jericho will still be with the company. Like he's going to do commentary. Um, he can still be a manager for all these inner circle guys and still get involved physically. Just doesn't necessarily mean he has to be in a match. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a good way to keep this story going too. And, uh, it seems like a very natural progression. So yeah, I kind of want, still want Jericho to win. Cause I don't want him on commentary every week. And also I'm kind of just looking at him like, man, we've, we haven't been the kindest of Jericho, but I still have like 20, 20 years of history watching this man wrestle. Like, like a big part of our wrestling history, Joel has been Chris Jericho at doing things. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we, when we set out to, to do this podcast, we wanted to be honest about how we felt about stuff. And you and I, I I think it's safe to say we're both fans of Chris Jericho. We, 
longtime fans love the work that he's done. And when we've been harsh and we've been critical, I feel like it's been earned. Uh, but, you know, we've also had lots of nice things to say about him during this run as well. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to have ups and downs, but, you know, it is kind of like, it makes me think about everything that he's doing differently. Like for this next less than two weeks at this point, mm-hmm. like I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to what he's doing and, and his facial expressions and trying to, you know, play the Bill Simmons body language doctor and, <laughs> you know, just try to key into, is this it? Is, is he, you know, really queuing up this one last match and how perfect if it is for it to be against MJF and Chris Jericho is one who I absolutely expect to go out the right way, you know, Mm -hmm. lose, leave his boots in the ring and that be it. I do. I do feel that the, it could go either way. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Jericho gets back the win and does this for another two, three years. Like it wouldn't surprise me in the least. And I don't think I would be like, I don't think it would take away from the victories that MJF has already had. But I do feel when you end a feud, like you usually should have the young guy go over here, regardless of he's heat uh, face heel affiliation. So if that just means this is going to drag on another few months, um, fuck it, whatever. 2034. Here we go. I can't wait for all out like 15 Jericho MJF. It's for real this time. So, um, but Joel, I think my favorite thing from this segment was MJF's very bland t-shirt that said MJF three. Was it? It was a uh, Jared blow Jared blow zero. Like, okay. You are partnered with pro wrestling tees. They have designed some amazing shirts. It was so plain and boring. It made it funnier. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, it's really funny to me. Like we've seen Chris Jericho team with so many different people. And the team name is always just some kind of weird portmanteau. uh, Like Jericho and Y2AJ. (laughs) And it just, it feels apropos that, MJF's insult would just be like a super obvious, you know, lame insult. Jerablo. Yeah, especially when coming from someone as good on the mic and as creative as MJF. Going with Jerablo. Okay, fourth grade. It's part of the genius, though. <laughs> it's like we know that he's capable of There's so much a, more. A crazy soliloquy. <laughs> and then he just goes for the low hanging fruit and. It's it just it's so good. It worked. It worked. And yeah, I, I don't think it's coincidence that CM Punk shows up on Friday and these two come out on the next show and just deliver these great promos in the ring. Like say, like, hey, bar the bar was always high, but we have a Hall of Fame speaker. And speaking of which. Yeah. Transition. Why don't you take the the intro here, Joel? So uh we had another CM Punk. I guess technically you would call it an interview. Tony Schiavone interviewed CM Punk and CM Punk kind of took the mic and cut a promo. And uh, it was, you know, what you would expect. Pretty, pretty milk toast. Well delivered. 
as you would expect. The the interesting thing, though, (laughs) the interesting thing is at one point during the promo, the crowd started doing the Daniel Bryan yes chants. And uh, CM Punk just got this kind of smirk on his face (laughs) and goes, yeah, that's that's somebody else's shtick. And you might just need to be a little more patient. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah, like you're going to drop that in the middle of your promo. Um, And Joel, obviously we can't confirm this, but I have to. I feel like that was just Punk improvising in the ring, like. Cause you couldn't plan that unless you had like someone out there starting the yes chant. But that was really funny. It got like a legit. Wow. For me, you texted me. I had two other friends text me like, did he just say what I think he said? And it, it goes into the same strategy with the CM Punk debut. We know it's happening. Like 99% sure it's happening. And they are going to build to this show at Arthur Ashe stadium. The same way they did the last, uh, the first dance. And it's refreshing. Like it doesn't always have to be this like veil of secrecy. Ooh, it has to be a complete surprise. Like I, I like will it. say though, I, I really like there not being an official announcement because as wrestling fans, we are so damaged. We are so damaged. Yep. And until there's absolute confirmation, there's that nagging seed of doubt in the back of your mind that tells you, you know, this might not actually be happening because yeah. the thing that we want to happen has not happened so <laughs> many times over. I mean, for the past seven years, CM Punk was rumored at every Royal Rumble, yep. every single one, yep. even ones where it was truly impossible for him to be there because he was in another part of the country and it was like well World. documented that he was in another part of the country and everyone was like no no this time this time it's gonna happen he's coming back and it never happened and that's just one example of the countless things mm-hmm. that wrestling fans hope for and and don't get like hoping for Brock Lesnar to lose and for the title to be back on somebody who's on television. Uh. Like how many times did we get our hopes up that maybe, (sighs) maybe AJ Styles, maybe, maybe Maybe Daniel Daniel Bryan, Bryan. maybe never. Maybe Braun Strowman. Like, yeah. So yeah, we have 30 years of like (laughs) PTSD flashbacks of wrestling debuts and these Will they or will won't they show up? So, um, yeah, that was super cool. And then CM Punk tweeted uh, a close up of him shaking hands with someone, and it, uh, or he put it on Instagram, one or the other. And then someone's like, "Yep, that's a picture of him shaking hands with Daniel Bryan in Ring of Honor." So, like, they just they're not they're not hiding it, and it's gonna be fun, man. Uh, we talked, you know, last week about how you kind of miss some of CM Punk's run, but you got to experience Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan in WWE the last few years, the people's champion of uh, the planet's champion gimmick was awesome. And Joel, I think my favorite in-person wrestling moment was Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania in New York. So I'm very excited for another debut that we have to kind of pinch ourselves when it happens. So we'll, we will talk about that when it happens, but Joel, you mentioned to me pre-show that it just kind of shows kind of the the flexibility of punk in AEW, like what he's allowed to say 
what he's not allowed to say. Um, Cause I don't like maybe the EVPs, but I'm not sure anyone else you could get away with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I saw someone uh, tweet uh, out like, this is a star and they're letting him act like a star. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like, this is the kind of thing that he should be able to get away with because of his stature. If he wants to do something like that and make a moment like cool, we all kind of know that this is happening. And now we just have another little breadcrumb that we're all going to obsess over because that's what we do. And it's, it's really harmless, right? Like, yeah, I don't think anyone is any more convinced that, Daniel Bryan is coming to AEW than they were before. So it it doesn't really spoil the surprise in this instance. And it's a viral moment that's going to be on Twitter tonight. Like Brian Danielson is probably going to be trending at some point too. Like it's all positives. And I like what you said about they're letting the star be the star. You know, Bill Parcells let Lawrence Taylor get away with shit because he was dominant. Like, Stars get star treatment. It, it is what it is. And Punk, if if anyone in AEW deserves it, it's CM Punk. So let's just enjoy the ride, man. It's going to be fun. Joel, did anything... The, the promo itself was pretty, you know, generic. Like, does CM Punk still have it? Does CM, is CM Punk still the best in the world? So uh, I kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, if, like, fuck. I may have to clean this up. <laughs> Did anything what was your... stand out to me from this there promo? There you go, Joel. Did anything stand out to me of this promo other than the Daniel Bryanson? Daniel Bryanson? Daniel Bryanson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian Danielson. <laughs> Did you just turn into Dan Housen over there, getting his name wrong? <laughs> Joel, just talk for about a minute. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think what stood out to me is... This is somebody who has rediscovered some passion because mm-hmm. he didn't say anything that was specifically that like world shattering, but the way he said everything was compelling. Everything about this was compelling, even though he's saying stuff that we already know, promoting mm-hmm. a match that we're already aware of, and asking the questions that, you know. We're all asking ourselves. And and I think that's, you know, it's kind of the same thing as what we talk about with, uh, does it matter if we know the outcome of a match before we see it? Mm-hmm. And no, it doesn't. Just like we know what CM Punk is going to say in this promo, with one exception, uh, but we knew what he was going to say. And it didn't matter because he said it so well. Yeah. And side note, I just refreshed Twitter. Uh, the fans Milwaukee got a treat tonight because post show, uh, Giannis Atatakumbo got to make an entrance and on set and came that down with big platinum. <laughs> he's that in the ring with amazing. big platinum, <laughs> and now he's up on the ropes. So fuck yeah, <laughs> Giannis, Giannis, and the Milwaukee Bucks—they do the whole like pro wrestling thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they those team videos—they were the ones who started that trend, weren't they? One of them, one of them, yeah. So, it just just a fun note, Joel. I'll send you the tweet later because it's actually pretty cool. He's like, that's awesome. Lily climbing up the ropes, like bouncing off the ropes, 
also he's like what six <laughs> eleven. Yeah. Like yeah, with like a seven foot nine arm span. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Well, Joe, I think that's enough about Giannis Antetokounmpo and CM Punk. Uh, let's transition into what you think is a is a bit of a stock down. And yeah, that was the it, announcement of John Moxley's all out opponent. I, I'm going to say stock down for now. Um, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. But OK, all out is one of four pay-per-views out of the year. Mm-hmm. Four times a year we get a big, big show. And on this show, we already had a match that's like kind of cool, but I'm not really that excited about it in Paul White versus QT Marshall. Now we have two matches. (laughs) Now we have two matches that are kind of cool, but I'm not really excited about it. And, And that's John Moxley and Satoshi Kojima. Uh, the only Kojima I care about is Hideo Kojima. And uh, as far as I know, he's not ever going to step in a pro wrestling ring. Wait, 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 wait. Is that the video game? Yes. Developer? Okay. I was like, I was like thinking of a wrestler. I'm like, wait a second. I bought that stupid UPS baby simulator game. <laughs> you didn't like Death Stranding? Oh, screw you, man. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into it. It literally... You had to stop to pee, and that's just way too much immersion for me, okay? <laughs> and when you anyway, spin around, you can't see his pee-pee. Like, anyway. <laughs> Satoshi Kojima, he's a legend, uh, but he's getting up there in years. and he Yeah, he's can't, 50 years old. Yeah, he can't move like he used to. And frankly, like, Moxley is not the kind of wrestler who can cover for you. Like Mm -hmm. if this was, you know, Darby Allen and Satoshi Kojima, I would feel better about it. If it was Daniel Garcia and Satoshi Kojima, I would feel better about it. But like Moxley's style just doesn't really lend itself unless they're just going to stand in the middle of the ring and literally beat the ever loving shit out of one another, which they might. I've seen enough Suzuki matches to know that style works. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, so, so you bring up Minoru Suzuki. I would have been so much more interested <laughs> in seeing Minoru Suzuki and John Moxley. And that's really where this is a stock down for me. There are so many names on the new Japan roster. So many names that I would be more excited for almost yeah. anyone. I would be more excited for. Uh, and I know that there are some big fans of of Kojima out there and, you know, okay, cool. I get it. He's a very good wrestler, but he just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, it, it's weird when you had Tanahashi's video package a few weeks ago, him winning the belt from uh, I am Lance Archer. And we had that Moxie video basically saying, I got next. So... If you combine that with this announcement, it's a, announcement, it's a little disappointing because I truly thought we were going to get Tanahashi at All Out. And I like that's a big match. Like that's exciting. John Moxley versus Tanahashi. And, you know, Tanahashi's been speaking with reporters and basically saying, like, I want to defend the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship in the United States once a month. So it just seems weird that this isn't happening at All Out. And maybe, you know, we talked earlier, Joel, maybe this is some sort of story that's developing with Moxley that 
he is leaning into the NJPW stuff and he wants to beat the best of NJPW. Because that's one of the things that when he signs with AEW, the big part of his contract was the ability to work NJPW dates. Then the coronavirus pandemic happened and that hasn't happened yet. And so that is where this is a stock down for now. Because Mm -hmm. if this is the first of a series of John Moxley versus people from NJPW in AEW rings, like that I'm 100% down for because that is a roster chock full of talent and people who work a different style from what we see week in and week out in AEW. And that's an exciting prospect. But if this is just a one-off with Kojima coming over and jobbing out to Moxley, yeah. That doesn't feel like a pay-per-view match to me. It just who doesn't. The, um, who was the old guy Moxley faced a few months ago? Yuji Nagata. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a trend here. And uh, yeah, we'll see. It's We really want to see that Forbidden Door with NJPW open even wider. Like, there's so there's a ton of talent over there. And we've seen Jay White with Impact. Um, so maybe we'll see some more here. But yeah, Tanahashi, man, not related to John Moxley, but um, I, I want to see the. Uh, I got. I hate. I, I like doing this at night, but then I fucking blank on names. Oh god, teams with Kenny Omega, super fucking awesome. Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi. Yes, let's get Kota Ibushi through the forbidden door, shall we? Please, please. Uh, we can't. His pecs are too big. He doesn't we'll, fit. We'll make a bigger door. Okay, <laughs> like it's it's entirely possible, Joel. All right. Anything else here before we move on to lightning rounds? No, let's hit it. Lightning round. All right, Joel. I want to start lightning round today with uh, a couple of things. One, the Lucha Bros match versus the Varsity Blondes. And mainly, holy crap, the Varsity Blondes have gotten really, really, really good. And I know they had that match with the Young Bucks a few weeks ago, but they look even better than they did a few weeks ago. And it, obviously the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks are two of the best tag teams in the world. So I don't think it was just one of the teams carrying them, but they looked incredible. And Griff Garrison and Phoenix opening this match and Griff Garrison at his size, being able to keep up with Phoenix doing some of the, you know, technical, you know, flippy stuff. It was just really impressive. And I really like what they've become, how they're presented. Their gimmick is great. We've we've praised them before, but they just looked on completely different level tonight than we've seen. Yeah, they've definitely gone up a level recently. The spot that really stood out to me was Griff Garrison, who's one of the bigger guys in AEW, doing a springboard elbow strike that Uh looked great. And he yeah. covered a lot of distance. <laughs> I thought he was going to fly out the other side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's he's really, really good. And he has improved dramatically during this run. I know they wrestle on Dark a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that those reps are paying off. Like, yep. Dark isn't for me. It's just, it's not something I'm going to spend time watching. Uh, but I absolutely see the value of it. And yeah. if you're going to have these talents put on these matches you might as well record it and put it out there for the people because there are people who watch it religiously and uh it's great i mean i'm not knocking the quality of it it's a good product it's just not something i'm looking for 
and not even like so Griff Garrison looked really good, like you said, in that one spot. And and Brian Pillman in the pre-match kind of promo has just gotten it just feels a lot more natural for him compared to some of the ones we've seen earlier this year. So if they're getting the you know better on the microphone, getting more confident in the ring, um this is a team we're probably looking at next year saying, wow, they are one of the best teams in the company. So And we're still we're still seeing entirely pre-tapes with them. Yep. Uh, yep. So still need to see them do it on a live mic. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the next step. And yeah. I have no doubt that they're going to continue to improve and get better. Uh, and I, I just, I really like the aesthetic that they've got. I think it, it totally works. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they weren't complete until Julia Hart joined the group. And that really sells it for me. Um, and mm-hmm. I know she's been wrestling a lot on dark as well. And, uh, hopefully we'll get to see her development in the same way that we have with them. For sure. For sure. All right, Joel, what do you got for me in lightning round? So this one's a little bit abstract, but they announced some of the names for the women's casino battle Royal at mm-hmm. all out. And, uh, you know, battle Royals are known for surprises and I'm really, really hopeful that we see some exciting women from the independents, possibly mm-hmm. some exciting women from impact and other promotions coming over. NWA has some really good women and it would be awesome to see some of them show up and for the forbidden door to finally be open for, you know, not just the men on the roster. Uh, so that's really what I'm looking forward to. And I like that not everybody is announced. So yep. they've given us a, a short list of, of people and presumably a few more folks will be, you know, added through qualifying matches on dark and whatnot. Uh, yeah. But we'll still have a few mysteries and there's always that Joker spot. That's pretty much reserved for, you know, a, a debuting talent. Yeah. So uh, I'm hoping for something big. Yeah, and with NWA's Empower pay-per-view this weekend, too, if, if you know what that is, it's the all-women's show they're putting on. Uh, there's a lot of crossover on that card between basically every non-WWE promotion. Um, some of the AEW talent on that show, Layla Hirsch is competing, Red Velvet, Kylan King are competing, um, Diamante is competing, Kira Hogan's competing on that card, so... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of the women from this show, like Mickey James, for example, she's the one who's producing this show for NWA. I would love to see Mickey James have a spot in the battle Royal, not necessarily as a joker or to win it, but it would be cool to see her in it. Um, so I know yeah. she's retired like 17 times, but Gail Kim, <laughs> like wrestling retirements, man. I yeah, would, they don't, I would love to see Gail <laughs> Kim in this. Yeah. Uh, one also, of the greatest this... to ever do it. Yeah. Um, Her matrix gimmick was, I remember that's like when I first, like that's when I got back into wrestling in like the early two thousands. And I was just like, Oh, this is cool. Also, <laughs> so... she's married to Robert Irvine and I would love to see him show up at a wrestling promotion <laughs> because Holy shit. He is jacked and it would be super cool yeah. to see that. Yeah. He'd be well... such an amazing manager. Just have him come out and, you know, explain to the talent how they need to rescue their career. Like somebody's on a losing streak and and Robert Irvine decides to take them under their wing. That would be an amazing gimmick. (laughs) Oh, man. 
you and your you and your celebrity chefs, man. <laughs> Come on. I mean, Robert Irvine is he's he's got crossover appeal. People know who he is. Sure, sure. Well, speaking of women, Joel, I wanted to highlight uh the Jamie Hater uh red velvet match. And this definitely had some issues um near the end when Red Velvet just completely missed her moonsault. Um but this match had a purpose and it was to show off kind of the physicality that Jamie Hayter has. And she has a good look. She is definitely was just flinging Red Velvet around. I literally thought Red Velvet got knocked out when she hit it. Like they threw her into the ring post. Like that looked violent as fuck. And I think they have something here with uh, Jamie Hayter. And I like this combination with Britt Baker and Rebel. Um, and we also got the announcement that uh, Britt Baker will be defending against um, Chris Statlander. So that is going to be a fun, fun women's championship match at All Out. And we kind of got a quick build to it today with the post-match save. So, Joe, what do you think about this match and the All Out announcement? I thought it was a, a really a good showing for both competitors, although a little bit stilted at times. I think their timing was a little bit off with one mm-hmm. another. I don't know that they've ever wrestled each other before. Um, but I, you can still see the development from, from both wrestlers. It's been a while since we've seen Jamie Hayter in the ring, mm-hmm. but I do not remember her looking this good. Uh, and then Red Velvet just seems to get better every time we see her in the ring. Yeah. Um, so, you know, two good talents, two people who can be cornerstones of this division and, you know, continue to build and have great matches moving forward. So did, um, uh, did Red Velvet always have that apron or is that new? It's not new, but she hasn't always had it. She's had it okay. for like the past, I don't know, six months or so. Okay. Cause I, I just noticed it and I thought that was a cool look. A plus ring gear matchup, by the way, too. Both of them have awesome ring gear. Um, so yeah, Joel, what, what do you got next? Well, let's, let's keep it with the women because there was an interaction that I found very interesting between Allie and Ty Conti, excuse me, the bunny and Ty <laughs> Conti. And, uh, I, I really loved this segment and I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, the bunny's reaction to Ty Conti tearing up the contract. She just went, ew. <laughs> and then <laughs> smacked her. And it was like just the the way that she said, ew, was so <laughs> funny to me. Um, but I thought this was interesting because it feels like this could be set up for Anna Jay making her return to the ring. Uh, because, you know, Ty and Anna were, you know, super duper close in the Dark Order. And mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, Ty Conti had a little bit of a run after Anna Jay went out. It's been a while um i know she yeah she, so she got hurt in february and it said it was not expected to wrestle for six to 12 months so we're in that range like, yeah i know it would be kind of on the quick side of recovery it's wrestling it's always quick yeah <laughs> for the most yeah. part you know like i never trust those estimates from wrestlers promotions because i'm like they like they could add three months and no one would know the difference <laughs> like that's so, true it's true yeah but yeah, I was thinking the same thing about Anna Jay, um, especially with the digs about how the Dark Order is falling apart. Well, we haven't really seen Anna Jay with them all that much. Uh, sorry, Tay Conti with them all that much. Um, and she kind of joined due to her friendship with Anna Jay. So um, it wouldn't be a bad time for her to come back during that battle royal. 
And we're getting uh, Tay Conti and uh, the Bunny on Rampage this Friday. So a very solid Rampage match in the, on the cards. Yeah, and, and that kind of ties in. And I guess another thing that we can talk about is the Dark Order backstage segment. And they are kind of rudderless right now and not really getting behind Evil Uno's leadership. And they need someone to step up and be the leader of the group. And I think it would be fascinating if Anna Jay were to come back and galvanize the Dark Order and take up that leadership mantle. Like, how cool would that be? And I don't know if she's ready for that kind of thing from an experience on the mic perspective. But, you know, if she's been practicing her promos for the last seven months and really working at her confidence and ability on the mic. I think that would be just so cool and such a great story uh, to tell. And uh, yeah, I I just think that'd be really interesting. We we really need Brody Lee Jr. here to kind of get his team in order. Okay. Like it's just a complete lack of leadership. I'm very disappointed that he hasn't been around to keep these guys in in order, man. Like, where's Brody Lee Jr. when you need him? Um, uh, I believe he is in school. <laughs> he's, he's in the first grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's um, older than that, isn't he? I don't. Uh, he's like nine. Yeah. So like third grade, fourth grade, third, fourth grade. So um, no, but yeah, they're definitely they're playing into the leadership void. <laughs> I loved uh, I love the quips back and forth. Reynolds saying, just because you have one in your name doesn't make you the leader. <laughs> and then Evil Uno showing us his kind of healness. Yeah. In just a flash. Like, basically, what do you say? You're in Go the back shadow. To yeah. John Silver's shadow. <laughs> shadow. Like, and then he kind of like came back, like, ooh, sorry. Like, my bad. Like, we've I, all I done that have, before. Yeah. Right? We've Where said you something say we that didn't thing, mean. <laughs> it's kind of true. And you know it's true because you're friends with that person. But it's the kind of thing you would never say. And then it just slips out and you're like, oh, fuck. Fuck. I said it out loud. Talk about forbidden doors being open, Joel. You got a (laughs) closet full of problems when you when you cross that line. So um, but yeah, this story has also been playing out on Twitter with members of the Dark Order kind of going back and forth with each other about how they handled the Hangman Page beatdown a few weeks ago. Um, Yeah, it's it's interesting. And and. Like you mentioned pre-show, it's a little early to kind of make guesses of where this is going, um, but I'm excited to see where it, where it goes. And I know I know you mentioned Dana Jay as a potential leader, but with all these kind of Bray Wyatt rumors, man, I kind of wouldn't be against seeing Bray Wyatt work with the Dark Order if he does in fact sign with AEW. The relationship with Brody Lee from WWE. There could be something there if they didn't um, lean into the Fiend character, which I don't even think they can. That might be owned by WWE. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Dark Order's kind of been a fun comedy staple for a while now. They've kind of lost some of their edge um, during that run. So it'd be nice to see them get it back a little bit. So yeah. Speaking of edge. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, we got a really good promo segment. (laughs) We got a really good promo segment between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage. 
And uh, part of that segment, after Christian brought up a whole bunch of information from Kenny Omega's past, Kenny Omega hits Christian with a, you think you know me? You think you know me? Oh, you think you know me? Oh, it was so funny, man. And like, you could hear the crowd take a second to get what he was saying. Like, he said it the first time, and then the laughter started right as he was saying it the second time. Like, it just kind of went over the fans heads at first i was like oh that's good that's good that's funny it's just amazing (laughs) to me that even like he's in a completely different company now he's got a heavyweight championship and he's still in edge's shadow yep and don Callis making that point i will show you what you've always been second best like you know it, it this is great it was a short segment you know, we already know the stakes for this this feud. We've already seen them wrestle. So to throw in a little extra spice into this and use uh, God, his like real life best friends in the story in a way, too, is is was just great. This was really good. And I love that they're uh, in AW. There's just like Easter eggs all the time. Like there's so many little things that they put into these segments um, that people point out. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And yeah. Oh, you think so, you know me was so funny. So you know how in in the the Batman comics and Batman movies and whatever, like Gotham City is a character mm-hmm. in and of itself. And like when you're making something, you need to think about how are you going to portray the character of Gotham City. I feel like in AEW, professional wrestling and the history of professional wrestling is a character. And you see that character represented through the talent in different ways. And making these references that like, if you didn't get the reference, it's fine. It doesn't take away because the sentence made sense in the context of the promo. But if you get it, it's just that little extra nugget. And I love that because I feel like I'm being rewarded for my fandom. Yeah. And it's in a more fun way than remember in early AEW, it's like, we're in Memphis. So it's Memphis legends night. Like, yeah. Okay. That's fine. But like just kind of these little subtle points of history and then using these older wrestlers or older wrestling personas in ways that they can be proud of. Like Arn Anderson tonight has to be proud of what he did in the ring tonight. Like that's the way you do it. Yeah, I guess let's we can jump over Yo, to that. We are our transitions in this segment are very natural. I, yeah, I really yeah, this like is this. Like, this is how lightning round is supposed <laughs> to go. The lightning is just bouncing from, from <laughs> object to object. This is chain lightning round. Yeah, man. Um, so, so when this match started with six minutes left in the show, you knew Brock was going to die. I and, knew we were about to witness a murder. Yeah. And this was a squash match. I just didn't know it was going to be double homicide. I know. Right. So <laughs> the the end after the match was Arn Anderson standing between Malachi Black and his son. And Arn blocks the first fucking kick. <laughs> Like, what am I watching? And then Malachi Black just delivered the hardest kick to the nuts I think I've ever seen. Maybe just because Arn's a bigger guy, so like it kind of absorbed it. Um, <laughs> but that was all fun, man. Everything involving the Andersons was fun. And then they just screwed the pooch on the big shoddy Lee coming down to confront him. They didn't show the entrance. You don't hear his music enough to really know what it was, so big F for like the last 30 seconds of dynamite. But this was, this match served its point. It was fun. And Arn Anderson just being a badass 
blocking the kick. I think it was a pretty cool moment for Lee Johnson. And and we did get to see him standing tall in the ring. And, you know, he chased off Malachi Black for the moment. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, he'll get his head kicked off next because, yep. you know, that's that's what we're doing here. And then I'll kick off Dustin's head. Malachi Black is doing a better job of destroying the Nightmare Family than QT Marshall ever dreamed of. Like, <laughs> um, excuse adult, me, excuse me. It's pronounced Marshall. Marshall, sorry. Uh, a few more things because we're running a bit over time here. Um, <laughs> Miro saying, when you have tough arms like me, <laughs> just broke me. It was so funny. Like, his promos are such gold. I don't even know what he said after that. It's like, when you have tough arms like me, I just started laughing. I just started laughing. He's so funny. And sorry, you were about to say something. Yeah. So I can't believe we've gotten this far without talking about Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy, who Mm -hmm. tore down the house in the opening match, which featured money, money spilling out of pockets and being all (laughs) over the ring. And I found it fantastic. I thought this was a super fun match. And uh, I, I like that we don't get Orange Cassidy in singles matches all the time. Yeah. Because when we do, it feels like an event. Yeah. And also, if you saw that shtick every single week, you might fans might grow tired of it because it's it's you don't want to over you don't want to overdo it. And my favorite thing from this match, Joel, was Matt Hardy like dropping all the money and then picking it all back up and putting putting it back in his pants. And then reaching into Orange Cassidy's pants to get the hundy back. Like, <laughs> it was just fun. And like, Matt got busted open. Like, I think he legit might have broken his nose. Like, he was pouring in blood. <laughs> well, he took a cross body to nothing but the face. <laughs> yeah. Orange Cassidy probably weighs like 170 pounds. He took all 170 pounds on this, like, a quarter of a square inch. Like, just. Shattered. Right on the nose. Right on the, 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 the nose there. But yeah, I think oh my lights automatically go off at 11. So we hit at 11 o'clock. All right, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Joel at The Other Joel. Me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can get the podcast anywhere you get them. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're there. Subscribe. Uh, you can email us at show at gmail.com. And Joel, anything else to say before I hit the hay? Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.